Island Church in Galveston, Texas, welcomes you to our podcast. Be encouraged by Pastor Rusty Martin as he teaches the Word of God. In your Bibles, you can turn to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 4. We're going to continue our studies. I want everybody to go up in the rapture. I don't want nobody left. I don't want to be looking down on anybody when I'm rising. I don't want you looking up at me either. (laughs) Amen. Hallelujah. Luke chapter 4. Jesus had been baptized by John in the Jordan River. Spirit of the Lord came on him. Verse 14. Verse 14 reads this way. I'll let you get back to your seats. Thank you for your giving tonight. Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit. And there went out a fame of Him throughout the region round about. He taught in the synagogues, being glorified of all. And He came to Nazareth, where we had been brought up. And as His custom was, He went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. There was delivered unto Him the book of the prophet Isaiah, when He had opened The book, he found the place where it was written. I like to say it like this, where it was written about him. You need to always search for scriptures that are written about you. There's bunches of them in the word of God. He began to read in verse 18, says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captive, the recovering of the sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised. Now notice this next verse, verse 19. And to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Now notice, it says in the first part of verse 20, and he closed the book. Now that's, that, that's a direct quote out of Isaiah 61 verse 2. And the scripture that he was reading, he only read halfway through it and he shut the book. The scripture actually reads... Uh, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of the vengeance of our God. Now what's amazing about that is the Isaiah as a prophet, not just a prophet, but a true uh, Messianic prophet that looked down through the, you know, through the portals of time. He saw both comings of the Lord Jesus Christ. And in the first coming, he described not only the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, but the effect of the Lord Jesus Christ upon the earth as ushering in a dispensation of what we could label as the acceptable year of the Lord. Amen? Everybody say it with me. The acceptable year of the Lord. Say it again. The acceptable year of the Lord. Now, like with every season, with every dispensation, they, they come to an end. They begin and they come to an end. This dispensation began... When Jesus rose from the dead, now listen to me, when He rose from the dead, when He entered into heaven, when He poured His blood upon the mercy seat, when He came back to the earth and allowed Himself to be seen by some uh, uh, over 500 people, but when He went back up in the clouds and declared, I'm going to return in the same way, that acceptable year of the Lord as a dispensation began. Now, he was already operating in it because of who he was. That's why he was able to cross religious lines, geographical lines, uh, culture lines, and touch anybody that came to him by faith. 
Syrophoenician woman had no covenants uh, in, in which he had to adhere to. Uh, the, the Roman centurion had no covenants in which Jesus had to adhere to. But he healed them and touched them anyway. The acceptable year of the Lord. Now, the day of the vengeance of our God is the approaching dispensation of judgment. Now you say, now why are you teaching this way? Well, because we started this for a particular reason. In order that we might understand the times in which we live. I believe we are on the very verge of the end of this dispensation and the beginning of a new dispensation. And I want you to know, listen to me church very carefully. I Remember I said this a couple of weeks back. A lot, I like to preach, you know, revelation. Like, but some of this stuff is warning. You need to hear it as a warning. It's time to serve God like you've never served God before. It's time to be obedient like you've never been obedient before. It's time to get closer and closer and closer to God because it is very, listen to me, it is very important how you end this dispensation and how you go into the other one. Amen. Amen. Now, we begin to look last week at the rapture. We talked about how uh, uh, that word in Second uh, Thessalonians and the word in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, it's the word, uh, I forget the word there in Thessalonians, we'll go look at it in a minute, but in Hebrews 10, 25, it's the word assembly. It's the same word in the Greek, which literally means that the church is destined as a church to gather together for worship. Everybody say, gather together, gather together. for worship. That is the purpose of the church. Now we know there's other purposes of the church to evangelize, to, you know, there's a social aspect, there's a, a spiritual aspect, there's all kinds of things. But we are called as a people to gather together to worship. Now listen to me. Because the last gathering together to worship, you don't want to miss. Amen. You say, why is that? The last gathering together to worship is the rapture of the church. And you don't want to miss that. And you cannot presuppose that just because you are a Christian, you're going to make that service. Gets quiet when I say that, doesn't it? We'll, we'll look at that here in a couple of weeks when we get to that, just a preview of coming attractions. In these days in which we live, there's the unjust, there's the filthy, there's the righteous, and there's the holy. And those that are the holy are the set apart are the sanctified ones are the ones that are going to go up in the rapture. You say, well, what about the righteous? There's going to be a lot of people that are righteous that are going to be left on the earth. You say, now, Pastor, I don't know if I agree with that. I don't, I don't know if I believe that. Then you probably adhere to a teaching in which it has been taught that just because you are born again that you have an inherent right to go up into the rapture. But we're going to study and you're going to see very clearly that the rapture is not an inherent right. Listen, your inherent rights as a believer are powerful. You have an inherent right to all the benefits of salvation. You have an inherent right to be in a new creature, to be in the righteousness of God. You have an inherent right to healing. You have an inherent right to prosperity. You have an inherent right to everything that God has provided for us in Christ. You have an inherent right to it. But the rapture is not an inherent right. It is a reward. Amen? You say, what do you mean a reward? It is a reward for being faithful 
in the days and hours upon the church in which it is very difficult. The Bible talks about there being an apostasy, a pulling back, a falling away of men and women just giving up their faith and saying, well, I'm just not going to serve God anymore. And we've seen that in mass around the world as church attendance in every denomination and in independent churches has dropped and dropped and dropped and dropped. But in the last days, God is going to do what? He's going to raise up the remnant and the remnant is going to reap the harvest and the, God's going to take the remnant and the harvest and going to take it to assemble together to worship in the clouds. Amen. 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 Now, just, just to help you because, you know, there's so many opportunities to witness, so many opportunities to, uh, to share Jesus, to share your faith. So people would ask and say many times, uh, uh, even I've even heard some preachers talk about I thought, man, why don't you read your Bible? It's all in there and it's really simple. Are we under the judgment of God right now? First of all, we've got to understand the relevance of judgment to the acceptable year of the Lord. Now, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 11, you don't have to go there, but we read it every time we have communion. Sometimes we read all of it. Sometimes we don't even get to the part where it talks about you and I, as a believer, judging ourselves, lest we be judged of God. Now that has nothing to do with your eternal judgment. That has to do with you judging yourself on your love walk, on your service to the Lord, judging yourself on all types of behavior that's relevant to the new creature, on judging yourself on your, you know, taking care of your physical body, taking care of your mind, renewing your mind by the Word of God. And the Scripture literally is referring to that which you do not bring into the subjection of the Word of God, judge yourself on. God's going to have to judge you so you will not be condemned with the world. One of the best illustrations is you can't eat 25 Milky Ways every day and wash it down with four gallons of Dr. Pepper. <laughs> It'll do several things to you, very, very deadly. You know, and if you start doing that every day, every day, after every day, those things are going to show up in your physical body. So you come to Island Church and you say, I'll tell you, Pastor, I'll tell you, I've got my bones ache. My teeth are rotten out. I've got to take five insulin shots a day. I'm telling you, I'm messed up. I need healing. I said, well, are you a Christian? Yeah, I'm a Christian. You read your Bible? Yeah, I read my Bible. Then what are you doing that's making you say, well, I'm eating 25 Milky Ways a day. I'm washing it down with four, doctor, four gallons of Dr. Pepper. You know what I'd say? Quit doing that. <laughs> Judge yourself. Now, that's a good physical illustration. But there are mental illustrations about don't criticize people, don't, you know, don't, don't be in anger, all kinds of areas which we as believers should not judge our brother or sister, but we should judge ourselves. So the judgment of God is relevant to the believer judging himself so he will not have to suffer the same effects of the behavior upon his life as the world gets. Which means if you are that person eating 25 Milky Ways a day and washing it down with four gallons of Dr. Pepper, you come back three weeks later and say, Pastor, I've been confessing healing scriptures, thanking God for my healing, and I've made a total adjustment in my diet. I no longer eat like that. Then I guarantee you, you can be healed. You judged yourself. Sometimes we need to judge ourselves with how we handle our finances, how we, how we respond to one another uh, in the kingdom of God. All kinds of things. You just need to judge yourself. Then there's another element or level of judgment relevant to civil judgment. You say, now why would you say that? 
Because all law comes from the Bible. Did you know that? The origin of law is the Bible. I don't care who the, the demon is that tries to tell people that it's not true, but all of the law, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, all those commandments are still relevant today and they still carry the weight of judgment. You say, well, I don't know if I believe that. We're living in the acceptable year of the Lord, so I'm going to go just rob banks all day. You'll find out real quick that the civil judgment of the city of Galveston, the civil judgment of the state of Texas, and the civil judgment of the United States will come down upon you, and one day you will stand in front of a judge, and he will say, lock them up. And you'll think, wait a second, judge. I thought we live in the acceptable year of the Lord. He says, we do. Be sure and read your Bible when you're in the penitentiary. <laughs> Amen. So we've got to understand that this is not in any way what is going on in the earth today, the judgment of God upon this planet. Now I'm going to tell you something. We're going to get into some of this in a few weeks ahead. And when you start seeing what's going to happen to this planet in the years in which the church who is literally the one who is upholding or holding back the evil that wants to come on the earth today, when we're gone, you do not want to be here. You want to go with us. It will not be a good place to be a Christian. It will not be a good place to even be a human on this earth. It's going to be one of the most horrible years ever that this planet has ever experienced. There's no way even, even we can, with our imagination, can come up with what actually is going to be going on on this earth. But... People are saying, preachers are preaching, the judgment of God is upon the world. It's upon this wicked system. It's on America. It's on this. It's on that. No, it's not. But what it is, is the wage of sin. The Bible says in Romans chapter 3 that the wage, 321 is it? I think so. 321, that the wages, the wages. Now notice the word wage. What is a wage? A wage is something that is earned. Salvation is not a wage. Salvation is a gift. Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Salvation is a gift from God. Even the faith, even the grace. For by grace are you saved through faith. The grace, the salvation, and the faith are all gifts from God. Woo, I tell you, we can serve a good God. He's a big giver. I said he's a big giver. So he gives us salvation. Then He gives us the grace to be saved and then He imparts to us the faith in order to be saved out of our sins. Salvation brings us, now listen to me closely, not the forgiveness of sin. When you got saved, your sins were not forgiven. The forgiveness of sin is not relevant to the sinner. So now wait a second, preacher. I thought I got all my sins forgiven when I got saved. No, you didn't. All of your sin was remitted. The difference between remission and forgiveness is that one time in your life, every sin you've ever committed or will commit falls under the category of the remission of sin by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. He erases it. He eradicates it. He gives two illustrations in the Old Covenant of what it means. He says, I remove it from you as far as the east is from the west, which is a geographical phenomenon. If you don't believe it, try and figure it out. You can go north 
till you start going south, but you can't go east till you start going west. So how far are your sins removed from you? From, you can't measure it. Infinity. Then it says this. He throws them in the sea of forgetfulness never to remember, remember them against you anymore. So listen, people say, well, God knows everything. I'm going to tell you one thing he doesn't know. When you got born again, he got rid of in his mind every sin you've ever committed. Now, forgiveness is not relevant to the sinner remission of sin is. Forgiveness is relevant to you as a believer. Now listen to me. So that when you miss the mark, when you make a mistake, when you get in trouble, you can involve yourself in the Word of God. It's over in the book of 1 John. You can ask for forgiveness. You can be cleansed of sin or unrighteousness so that you will not get paid your wage. Somebody ought to get excited over that. But now the sins of men on the earth today are demanding. Now listen to me, just like in the natural. I remember back when I was a kid, I got a job. A guy took me down to 51st Street to the ILA. Anybody remember way back then the International Longshoremen's Association for 503, was it? 503 was down on 51st Street right before you went over the bridge. And so somebody took me down there, and I got hired to go uh, uh, load bags of rice on a ship. Now, I had worked other jobs. I'd worked in a grocery store. I'd worked in a filling station. So when I asked, how much money am I making? This is in 1975. How much money are we making? The guy told me, we're making $10.50 an hour. I went, how much? $10.50 an hour. That was more money than I'd ever heard of in my life. I thought, $10.50 an hour, wow, amen. So as I worked, now listen to me, I gained time as I gave my time to the Longshoremen's Association, to the stevedores that had contracted the ship to be loaded. I was given compensation for my time as I worked. Had to be there, had to participate. In the same way, when people yield to the sin nature and give their time to sin, they are over here and they're taking and they're clocking in on the sin clock. Are you with me? And in this day and hour, I don't know what longshoremen make today. What do they make today? They make pretty good money today. So wages of what? Over the time they've increased. Now we're living, now listen to this, we're living at a time on the earth in which the maximum, how can I say it? The maximum pay for the sin being committed is at its highest wage. That always happens right before judgment. Say, so now where'd you get that? In Noah's day, sin was at its maximum level. Remember we studied that a couple of weeks ago about how violence covered the earth and the sin was at its maximum level. And then the day came, and I'm telling you, in an instant, instant of time, Noah shut the door. No, excuse me, Noah didn't shut the door. God shut the door. Are you with me? And I'm telling you, God's fixing to shut the door on this dispensation, and that's why we need to be living for God like never before. Now, I, I can do this, so I can pick this up next week. Everybody say, gather together to worship. 
Now, go to Revelation real quick. Let me, let's, let's, let's do it this way. That way I'll have, a, have something to hang my hat on when I pick this up next week. Go to Revelation, the book of Revelation, chapter 14. Chapter 13, excuse me, chapter 13. Let me just read here just a second. Verse 1, and I stood upon the sand of the sea. Remember, this is a revelation given unto John the Beloved. Everybody remembers John the Beloved? Peter, James, and John. That's him. It's on the Isle of Patmos. And he said, uh, I saw a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven horns, seven heads and ten horns, upon his horns ten crowns, upon his heads the name of blasphemy. And the beast which I saw was likened to a leopard, and his feet were the uh, feet of a bear, and his mouth the mouth of a lion, and a dragon gave him his power, and his seat, and his great authority. And I saw one of his heads as if it were wounded uh, to death, and his deadly wound was healed, and all the wor world wondered after the beast. Now notice verse 4 very carefully. And they worshipped the dragon, which gave power to the beast, and they worshipped the beast, saying, Who is likened to the beast, who is able to make war with him? Then you can go down and read a little bit more about it. And you can come back, uh, down. Let's see here. Talks about how he opened his mouth in blasphemy to God and all this kind of just evil. It was given him to make war with the saints, to overcome. Power was given him all the, all the kindreds, all the tongues, all those that dwell upon the earth. And if you read down into this chapter and continue to progress into Revelations, you'll see that there rises up an issue. Everybody say an issue. Now, if we were, you know, if, if Brother Joe Morris were here or some other uh, Brother Ted, somebody teaching on eschatology, they would be talking about the issue of the end of time, the judgment seat of God, all of these different things. But with our teaching, we want to bring to your reality this issue, which is our issue right now, and something we must adhere to and recognize this is the reason many times so much of this drama is taking place. You say, what is that issue? The issue is, was, and always has been worship. Amen? I mean, remember when Jesus, we read John, uh, Luke chapter 4, Jesus was baptized in the Jordan River of John. He came up, the Spirit of God descended upon him. He went out into the desert. Here came the enemy. And he began to tempt Jesus based on his identity. If thou be the Son of God, turn the stones into the bread. If thou be the Son of God, throw thyself off the pinnacle of the temple. If thou be the Son of God, bow down and worship me. Now, you can go study do it. You can do the study on your own. You can wait a couple of, two or three weeks till we do it. Isaiah 14, Ezekiel uh, 28. You can go study Lucifer or Satan and what the attitude of his heart was while he was an angel, while he was an anointed cherub in heaven. He was created to be, not to be in the worship team, but to be the worship team. The way his 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 body was formed the way he had his pipes. It talks about all of his physical organs, how everything in him literally caused worship to come to God. Now in viewing this worship that came out of him to God, and I believe not only did it come out of him, but he was key in leading heaven into worship. Amen? Now first of all, let me, let me do this. This might be better. 
A lot of people will say this. Well, you know, serving God and all this, you, know, you, always, you always praise God, you always worship God. And, and, you know, I think that your God is really kind of egotistical. Now, you get around, listen, this is the last days, you better be equipped to talk to people. I mean, what kind of God would just, just praise me, worship me, praise me, worship me, praise me, worship me? I mean, you know, come on. Well, here's what you got to understand. Everybody inhale. Blow it out. You know what that was? That was God. You say, what do you mean? That is the breath of life, which comes from your creator. Amen. It doesn't come from your mom and dad. It came from your creator, the breath of life that is in you. Why does the sun come up in the morning? God. Why does it go down in the evening? God. Why do we have day? God. Why do we have night? God. Why do we have summer? God. Why do we have winter? He is literally are all and all. The Bible literally says we are complete in Him. In Him we live and move and have or possess our being. So He is worthy of worship because if you worship something, whatever you're worshiping must be a source of something in your life. See, one of the biggest gods that people worship and replace with God is money. Jesus said, you can't worship money. You can't worship mammon and God. God said, I'll have no other gods before me. And people would say, well, I've got all this money, and this money gives me my life. No, it doesn't. Money does not give you life. Money does not cause the sun to come up and go down. Money does not take care of all the sparrows, birds, fish, fowl of the air, the uh, creatures of the sea. Money doesn't do that. Come on, church. Money doesn't put that breath in your lungs. Money doesn't cause your mind to operate. Money doesn't do that. So money tries to step in and become the God. The Bible says that the love of money, but not love money itself, the love of money is the root of all evil. Why is it? Because you can be so obsessed with money that you worship it. Amen. But God says, listen, I'm not, I don't want any, you don't worship nothing else. I'm the one, the true, the only God, and the only thing in the universe that you should worship. Amen? But there is one that wants that worship. Now, I just picked, I just randomly looked up what worship, looked up revelations, dug through some scriptures, and found a couple of scriptures where they're worshiping, basically worshiping, you know, the beast and all that kind of stuff, to show you that that is the intent. Satan's intent is to be worshipped. So he wants to set this whole thing up the way he's setting it up now, thinking that he's setting something up, but he's not. God has already set it up before he ever created the world. And in God's eternal judgment for us, Satan's already been judged. Are you with me? He's already been judged. That's why you need to get saved if you're not saved. Because if you don't, you get the reward of whoever you follow. And the reward of who we follow is that which God has placed upon Jesus Christ. But if you follow Satan, then you're going to get his reward. You're going to get his judgment. Amen. So here is this being, and he's wanting to do what? He's, he, yeah, I mean, it just kind of, I've always, I, I heard a great evangelist years ago, he always, when he referred to the devil, he always called him a dumb devil. A dumb devil, dumb devil. Well, he's pretty dumb. 
Because he couldn't make it happen in heaven. He tried to make it happen in heaven. We'll study that when we study the Old Testament scriptures. He tried to make it happen in heaven. He tried to ascend to the, to the heights of the north. Go study what that actually means. He tried to be like the Most High. He tried to be like Jesus so that he could tell people, worship me, worship me, worship me. And a third of the angels did it. That's how they fell. But you've got to understand, he has still been trying to be worshipped since then. He tried it out in, the, out in the desert with the children of Israel. They kept trying to pull over to him. Moses kept trying to pull them back and intercede. One time God said, I'll just wipe them all out and start a brand new nation out of you. Thank God Moses was an intercessor. And he interceded, interceded and prayed and the judgment of God came, killed a bunch of them. But then God continued the lineage of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob because of the covenant and God brought Israel into the promised land through Joshua. But that whole stinking mess in the desert was all about worship. They just couldn't find it in their heart to worship God that had done so much for them because their eyes were on what they had left instead of what they were going into. Amen. How's my time? I got four minutes. So this worship issue, we begin to study the word, begin to look at people who really worship God. Think about Abraham in, in Genesis chapter 22. He takes Isaac up on the mountain with the, with the literal intent of sticking a knife in him and setting him on fire, believing God that God could actually raise up the ashes back into Isaac because he was in covenant with God. And he told his men, he said, I'm not going to go, oh, pray for me. i got a very heavy weight upon me. He said, I and the lad will go yonder up on the mountain and we will what? We will worship and come to you again. When Joshua had that encounter with the captain of the host there at Jericho, the Bible says he fell and he worshiped and God gave him that city because of that worship. Amen. We see that David was a worshiper. He, was the, he penned all those psalms. He worshiped God and worshiped God. And when a giant arose, he killed the giant. Not the giant killed him. That's what was supposed to happen. See, what's supposed to happen does not happen in the lives of those that worship. Amen. Then we could go all down, you get into the Gospels. Here comes one leper back and he falls down on his face at his feet and he begins to worship and nine got healed, but one was made whole. And a woman totally outside of any of the covenants of God came to Jesus. Everything Jesus said sounded like she was being rejected, but she worshiped God, got on the right channel and received a miracle for her daughter. Amen. Worship opens doors. Worship protects. Worship manifests provision. Worship does all because it's not just us worshiping this entity to try and stoke his ego some way. No, he knows that worship when it comes up to him that literally releases him to throw back down to us everything that belongs to us because of the covenant. And the more we worship, the more our worship flows up to him, the more his provision flows down to us. Satan wants to imitate that. And will do it for seven years. And he will make a stinking mess out of this entire earth. That's what it'll be. Now, let me close. We're in the last of the last days. 
the types of people that are on the earth are the unjust, the filthy, the righteous, and the holy. And if you'll go study who the holy are, the holy are the worshipers. You say, what do you mean the holy are the worshipers? Those that have sanctified themselves through the ability of the Word of God and the power of the Holy Ghost, they've set them, now listen to me very closely, they set themselves apart for participation. Not just spectating. Oh, I can't wait to see all this happen. I don't want to see it happen. I want to be in the middle of it. Are you with me? So you set your life apart for participation and your submission to the Word of God and what He's doing in the earth increases the anointing upon your life and not just the slow song we sing on Sunday morning or Wednesday night, but your life becomes worship to God. See, Abraham lifted that knife over Isaac. He wasn't singing a slow song. He was obeying God. In his obedience, he worshiped God. Your acts of obedience become acts of worship. And everything you do that causes you to step outside your comfort zone, which, now listen to me. Oh, I don't know how to say that. We'll be here another hour. That which becomes your worship has its foundation in your sacrifice. Now, you're, you're sacrificing tonight. You say, what do you mean? You sacrificed your time. Some of you sacrificed your talents, your abilities. Many of you sacrificed by giving in the offering. So there is a sacrificial element to our what? To our assembling together to worship. Are you with me? There is a sacrificial element to our assembling together to worship. Hebrews 10.25 Forsake not the assembling of yourself together even more so. Amen? Even more. How, how many would agree that the day we live in is more evil today than it was at the end of January? And the potential for it to get more evil in June, July, August, September is, is, is right there. Everybody's talking about the, what's the next thing. I've heard everything from alien invasion to you name it. Amen? Well, whatever it is, we're going to be ready. We're going to be prepared. And we're not going to be on the survival side of this. We're going to be on the revival side of this because I'm going to teach you and preach you and, and exhort you and do everything I can do to get you into the place where you're not just the righteous upon the earth, but you are the holy set apart to gather together to worship. And every time we have service, you don't forsake the assembling of yourself together knowing that I'm just in a ritual or routine in which the last worship meeting will be called. Oh, you missed a good opportunity to shout. You say, what do you mean by that? We, we said it last week. We closed with the same thing last week as we're closing with this week. As Israel, what were they doing? Every time they went into the temple, all of the blood, all of the dead lambs, all of the showbread, all of the scapegoats, all of the priests, they did the same thing day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year. 
Decade after decade, century after century, millennia after millennia, looking for what? The day in which the last priest would enter into the real holy of holies, not by the blood of bulls and goats, but with his own blood. Everything they did, that drama of the old covenant, was pointing to the last entrance. And one day, Jesus walked into that holy of holies without the blood of bulls and goats, but with his own blood. And he remitted our sins, he sanctified us, he made us holy, and he gave us his righteousness. Woo! So what do we do? 3,000 get filled with, get 120 get the Holy Ghost, 3,000 get born again. What do we need to do? We need to assemble together for worship. All of the letters are wrote to who? All of the churches, the ecclesia, who should what? Assemble together to worship. Because every time we come together, whether it's just a Wednesday night service or a Sunday morning service or whether it's fall harvest service or a special speaker, what we are doing is we are gathering together to worship as is our tradition, saying this is how it's going to happen. We're all going to be gathered together to worship. But one day, gravity will lose its hold. Jesus will come, the sound of a trumpet, the voice of an archangel, and you will go to a church service in the sky. So this is your invitation. Amen? Don't get left behind. Serve God with all of your heart like you never have before. This is the day. And remember, there are two different pools on your heart right now. And you're going to have to decide what pool you're going to yield. Say, well, Pastor, you know, there's so much going on. Got the kids at the house. And, man, it's just, you're talking about serving God like we never had before. Well, you know, maybe one of these days. But, man, ain't going to happen now. You're being pulled. You're being pulled. You're being pulled. And on the other side, you come to church on Wednesday night, you hear teaching like this, it thrills your soul. You hear it say, man, that's, that's good. I want to do that. I want to be part of that. I, want to be, I don't want to be part of the, you know, the, the, the world and its wickedness and all that's going on. I want to be part of the, of the holy, the set apart. You decide. It's still, and we'll, we'll wrap this up with a teaching on your will. God will not violate your will. No matter where you are, no matter how you serve Him, no matter how on fire you are or how cold you are, He'll want up by, it's still your choice. And let me just say this. You know, when I was a kid growing up, they preached and teached on this till I was so scared, I thought the rapture was going to happen at any time. And if anybody was going to be left, it was going to be me. You know, I, I remember one time thinking about, how am I going to figure out how to drive when my parents are gone? And they're going to they're go up to the rapture and leave the cars here. I don't even know how to drive. You know, I was like 10 or 11 years old. <laughs> now, then I thank God Dad taught us how to drive at 12. Me and Alan used to drive. We had a big old, what was it, a Pontiac? And we used to get to take the, 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 the uh, trash to the dump in, in Somerville, Texas. And Alan would be on one side, and I'd be on the other side, driving like this, going down the road. <laughs> Couldn't even hardly see over the top. <laughs> Amen. I'm thinking, what are we going to do? I don't even know how to drive. How am I going to get in the bank account? I mean, I, all these thoughts were hitting me. You say, why? Because I had another pull pulling on me and I wasn't yielding to the correct pull. And I've said this before. The number one thing that haunted me and haunted me and haunted me for 12 years of being away from God was this. Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming. And I knew I wasn't ready. I was righteous. I hadn't denied Christ. 
I've been washed by His blood, but I hadn't been in a church in 12 years. I hadn't read a Bible in 12 years. I hadn't listened to a sermon. I knew I was not serving God. But thank God, in one night, when I got right with God, I still knew Jesus was coming back. But I knew if He did, He was coming back for me. It's going to be your choice. Amen. You love the Lord tonight. Stand on your feet. Praise the Lord. Father, thank you so much for your wonderful love toward us, for your overwhelming grace and mercy. Let us wake up to the day and the hour in which we live. Let not only we live for God for ourselves, but let us live for God as a witness to others. And let us know in our hearts that the time is short, the mission is important, the assignment is relevant, and that we must be busy about the Master's business. Thank you, Father, that as we do this, there's protection in the evil day. Thank you, no evil befalls us. No plague comes in our dwelling place. Father, we thank you, no financial plague, no, no physical plague. Thank you that angels have charge over us. Thank you as we travel on the highways, airways, seaways, railways, any other way of travel or transportation. Thank you, Father, that we are protected. The righteous labor of our hands, bless people at their jobs, bless their businesses, keep them safe, make them a witness, and let your hand of favor come upon every person at their job and in their business like never before. Lord, you're stirring our hearts and imparting revelation that these are the last of the last days. Let us rise to the occasion as believers and obey our hearts as we serve you. Father, even more importantly, let us recognize the door of utterance that we have. Let us go forth from this place. People are praying. They don't even know how to pray, but they're crying out to God for answers. There's fear and panic. Men's hearts are failing for that which is coming upon the earth. Thank you, Father. We can be the light. We can be the salt. Give us opportunity, Lord, each and every one of us as individuals. Be an answer to their prayer. A problem to this adversary a miracle in their lives so that they may be born again. Thank you for it, Father. Lord, we leave tonight walking in faith and love towards you. We love you so much. We leave tonight walking in love toward one another. Thank you for our church. We leave as the ambassadors of Christ you've called us to be. Thanking you, Lord, here at Island Church, we're covered by the blood, powered by the Word, <laughs> anointed by the Holy Ghost, and going up in the rapture. Thank you for listening to Island Church's podcast find out more information about Island Church in Galveston, Texas, visit our website at islandchurchgalveston.com.